That's why it's comforting, isn't it? Because every one of us fails at some time. Every one of us, we have these great intentions. We have this great idea of what we're going to do. But inevitably, something happens. You know, here's a great way to summarize it. Life happens. Sin happens. You know, situations happen. Relationships happen. There's a lot of places to look. But the reality is that that's, that's the way we are. It, it doesn't mean that God fails. He is on a different plane. His existence is different than ours. And there's the beauty of this intersection. The unfailing God, the unfailing, ever-loving God loves the unlovely people. Amen. That's what, have you ever read Song of Solomon and wondered why it's even in the Bible? Come on, some, somebody in the house wave at me and let me know. Because it is. It's, it's an interesting, it's a love story. It's filled with, uh, you know, kind of a risque-ish sort of sounding language in several places. But, uh, and the first time I read it, I thought, wow, what is, what is this love poem kind of doing in the middle of the scripture right here? And, uh, and then I began to realize uh, the message of the book is really a message of love, but it's an interesting message of love. There's this, this, this black woman who is beloved of this prince and this king who has come after her and wooed her. And, and in his eyes and in his mind, she is the, the bomb. She, and that's probably not a word we use anymore, but she's all of that. And, you know, 25 bags of chips. She is just, in his heart and in his mind, she is beautiful. The scripture never says she is. It just says that he thinks she is. And here's the cool part. She hears it so much that she starts to believe it. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. <laughs> his banner over me is love. Amen. I don't see him. I don't hear him. I don't sense his presence. But I smell his cologne. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. <laughs> I, I know he's nearby, so I'm just going to say how much I love him, how much I love being loved by him, how incredibly life-giving it is to me. And, and sooner or later, he just springs out from the bushes like, I can't stand that any longer. I've got to hug you. I've got to be with you. This is a love story, this relationship that we have with God. John said it really well. John was one of Jesus' closest friends on the earth. It was someone so close that Jesus would, would give the care of his mother into the keeping of this young disciple. There's a closeness, there's a bond there. And John said, you know what, when I talk about God, I just have to talk about love. I mean, there's so much about him that's true. And we'll talk about some of that today, the power and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. But the reality is the overwhelming emotion that pops up inside of me is that God is loving and he's gracious, and everything that he does, he does in love. And so if you, don't, if you don't know what love is, you really probably don't know God yet. But hang on to your hat, Harriet. God is here, and he is that faithful God who loves us with an everlasting love, and he won't fail. like that. Never heard that song before, but I like it. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't fail. His love never gives up and never runs out on me. Boy, for some of you, that ought to be really good news. You've had some people run out on you. You've had some friends run out on you. You've had some family members sometimes run out on you. 
Some, some business partners run out on you, but His love never fails. Hallelujah. Thank God. Well, thank God for His blessing. I hope you had a great week. I'm looking forward to a great week. What a great way to launch the week to come together with people of the faith and uh, people who love the Lord Jesus and who just, who just want to prioritize the Christ life. And so we're excited that you're here. We're going to launch you into a 105-degree week again. You got to love Texas weather, don't you? This is, uh, some of you are going, no, not so much. Some people have the wisdom that Pastor Rich and Clarissa have uh, to go uh, among these, these sabbatical days. Uh, they've decided that this would be a great week to be in Washington State, where the typical summer temperature is somewhere in the 60s. I told you he's a man of wisdom. He is a man of wisdom, but we hope you have a great, great week. It is, it's a week that the Lord has made for us, and this is the day that He has made for us to rejoice, and I'm so thankful that you're here. I remember early on when I first began in my Christian walk, I have lived in this thing that I understand now as the Christ life for 50 plus years, uh, just a little over 50 years. I was almost 21, and I'm now 71 years of, I know, that's just, I I've lost all credibility now with the Chi Alpha people. But uh, no, no. I, I, but I remember early on uh, just the, the glorious joy and the sense of excitement that I had. And, uh, and I, I, got, I got saved. I met the Lord in a Dairy Queen parking lot. It's the first exposure that I ever had to people of faith. It was at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. Who knew God had scheduled a meeting at 10, 10 o'clock at night? on a Tuesday. But in my world, he had scheduled a meeting with me uh, and manifest his presence through this young group of uh, uh, Jesus people. They had finished up a prayer gathering at a chiropractor's house nearby, and uh, they all got the munchies. You know what the munchies are. Drug people know what the munchies are. You, when you've had enough of that stuff, you just, it's like ice cream, ice cream, yeah, cake, pie, anything sweet. And so I was there for those reasons, and apparently Pentecostal people get the munchies too. And so they were there for the same reasons, and I, I really believe that God set it all up so that I would meet Christ in them. I would encounter God alive and well and working in the earth through these Holy Spirit-filled sons and daughters of God. I still think that's the plan. I still think that's what God intends in the earth. And that's what we're looking at here in the Christ life, is that God is alive and well and He's operating, but He operates through Holy Spirit-empowered people, and He operates to touch and reach people because they're incredibly important to Him. They're the highest priority with God. And He operates through relationships. They didn't invite me to church. They didn't even invite me to the prayer gathering that they had just come from because it wasn't going to be till next week. Well, what they invited me to do was to, to experience and, and, and understand and define the impact of God in the moment, that He was alive and well and interested in me right here, right now, and that He wanted me to respond in, in, in faith to Him. And so it was a powerful, powerful thing, but, but it formed a foundation for me of living in the Christ life. So for these 45, 50 some years now, uh, it took me a few years to kind of solidify the statement, but my life statement has been and still is to completely cooperate in the Christ life, impacting everyone, everywhere, every day. 
That's, that's what I, I want to be about. I just want to completely cooperate. That means I don't have to you know, live for God as though He wasn't alive for Himself. He can live in, in and with me and within me and move through me. And so it, but it takes my cooperation. Co-operation. Say it with me. Co-operation. And so to completely cooperate will be impactful because in these relationships with these precious people that God loves and cares for, He wants to manifest His presence. He wants to show forth who He is. He wants to do miracles. He wants to set captive people free. He wants to speak to confused people words of truth and clarity that will bring them out of their darkness into the light of His love and His truth. How many of you believe that? So this is the Christ life that we're looking at, and these five fundamentals, those are the first three. Today we want to take on the fourth of these fundamentals, and it is, it's really the kind of the emotional component. Is anybody in the house but me glad that the faith is not just factual stuff? Doctrinal, you know, uh, check marks. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. It just doesn't sound like, let's dance. Let's have fun. It sounds like a test. You got to know these things. You got to repeat these things. But this life with God is really much more alive and aware and, and, and full in us. And it is a loving, joy-filled relationship. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. There's a whole bunch of other stuff, but those are like the big three. You got to catch this. That there is, a, there is an emotional component in a walk with God. Amen. And so I, I'm here to tell you that you can live a lifetime. You can live a, especially this is true for those of you who are under 35 years of age. You can live a full life without boredom, without the blues and the blahs overtaking you, and, and without some some heinous breakdown in your life of faith, if you'll learn to live in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so this is the truth that we want to talk about. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 3 today. Let's just go to Colossians chapter 3. We have the whole chapter kind of laid out for you on the screen. I'm just going to pick out a few verses because it pictures the Christ-life relationship with us. Uh, see how much a verse there is there? That's just awesome, isn't it? But it speaks of this business that we are now understanding that our life is with Christ in God. We are in Him. He is in us. We are with Him. He is with us. And so this within Christ Jesus, within the God of all eternity, and He is within us. And so with and in are pieces of this thing. And the way the relationship works is that we have to put certain things off. There's the Rex part and there's the God part. There's the Jesus part and there's the Jalen part. We got our own pieces of these things. And so what do we have to do? Well, we have to put aside this stuff in order to allow this stuff to work through us. So God doesn't ask you to love all your enemies. He just asks you not to be hateful and mean or wounded so badly that you won't even talk to them. He asks you to put that stuff aside so that His love can begin to fill your heart. Does that make sense to you? 
And so this is what is pictured in the scripture. We put to death in verse 5, it talks about all these stuff that's in us, and then the whole list goes on. Uh, these are the things that bring the wrath of God on people. And you used to walk in these things when, when you lived outside of the faith. But now, verse number 8, now you have to put them all away. So malice, anger, uh, slander, uh, wrath, all of these kind of things, just put that stuff away. Don't be lying to everybody. You put off the old self with its practices, and you put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, you put off, I put off the wrecks and put on the Christ. Amen. Now, I'm not saying it's a put on. It's not a fake. It's the reality of the presence and the power and the person of Christ in me, in you, in us. So uh, this is what we do. So we put on the new self, which is renewed. And here, uh, it says in verse 11, I love these, there's not, it's not, there's not a bunch of differences. We don't, oh, you're black, you're white, you're male, you're female, you're old, you're young. We don't use these silly labels because everybody's in Christ. And Christ is in everybody. And so all those things that once, you know, kind of uh, were, were, barriers and hurdles to us are now bonds to us in the faith of Jesus Christ. So we then put on, verse 12, uh, as the holy ones, the, the holy beloved ones, we put compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. We bear with one another. And if anybody has a complaint against another, we just forgive. That's our answer to all the bad behavior that people do against us. Amen. I'm going to get them. No, you're not. You're going to just forgive them in the name and for the glory of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen? Well, that's a little quiet, but that's okay. Above all these things, above everything else, we put on love, which binds all of this together in perfect harmony. And so then the peace of God begins to rule in our hearts and in our minds, and, and we, are, we are thankful people. And we let the Word of God dwell in us instead of, you know, pounding out our own opinions or, or re, you know, rehashing the opinions of others on social media. You know, just, I, I, what do you know of this truth? Well, such and so says, and such and so says, no, 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 what do you know? What does God say? And so the Word of Christ begins to live and move inside of us and reform our opinions, and we let the Word dwell in us richly so that when we speak to others, we speak about Christ Himself. And so we speak to, uh, to others and to ourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How many of you like this group of people? This is a group of people who are singing. They, 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 they're full of joy, they're full of life, they're full of love, and they go about singing to themselves, and, they're, and they're in their hearts, they're thankful to God. And then verse 17 pops up, and I love this. These two verses, 17 and 23, are kind of key to what we want to talk about. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Ever use that phrase? It's kind of a passe phrase now, but there was an era when our children were teenagers. It was a few years back, but there was a phrase that just used to grind against me. Whatever. Whatever. You know, it was like the, everybody's excuse for everything. Whatever. And it was a give up phrase. You can't change it. You can't fix it. Whatever. You know, case or all, whatever. 
Well, here's a whatever for you. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it in a thankful way before God. And then look at verse number 23. It also says the same thing. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Do it, can I say it this way? Do it well. Do it well. Do it with urgency. Do it with passion. Do it with a sense of, "Mm." yeah, why? Because you're doing it in the name of and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance. And so this is the, this is the connect point that we want to make with you today. I think this is incredibly important. Urgency and passion are the emotional results of understanding time as it relates to the eternal plan of God. you get this? A, a Christian person should feel, should feel, a a sense of urgency. You can't just sit by and watch lost people go to hell. You can't just stand by while while horror is happening around you. There's a something that rises up, and it's beyond just the need for justice. It's beyond just the need for racial reconciliation. It's beyond just some common human kind of thing. It rises up to this point where God eternal has a plan for this person and it's being thwarted by their current situation. And so I rise up with an urgency and a passion to do something about it. If you ever feel like your friends are pressuring you to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we are. Amen. Oh, you just want to, yes, yes, we do. We want you to do it, and we want you to do it now. We want you to do it with all your heart. We want you to do it with a sense of urgency and passion. Why? Because we feel that all the time. Now, why do we feel that? Well, Christ felt it. Jesus ministered that way. Can I just remind you in John chapter 9, verse number 4, Jesus said, I have to work the works of the one who sent me while it's day. He was talking about healing a blind man, but he said, I have to, I must. There's an urgency about doing the will of God in this situation. In John chapter 4, he actually speaks about, uh, this is that encounter with the woman at the well, but he speaks about uh, the timing of this in terms of uh, fulfillment and meat, and strength. Remember the story. The disciples have gone to get lunch, uh, and they've left him alone at a well, and he has an encounter with a woman from the city that's nearby, and it's a life-changing encounter for her. It's a God moment. It's a powerful God moment. And, and she then runs off into the town, tells everybody that she's met the Christ and that they need to meet him too. And so she starts leading this procession out across the fields. In the meantime, the disciples have come back, and they're trying to feed him lunch. And, and it's like, you know, aren't you hungry? And he said, well, yeah, I get that, but I'm, I'm kind of got a strength going right now. I've got meat. And my meat is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. He talked about it be a strengthening experience in his life. It's a powerful uh, truth. And then there is one of my, my interesting passages. I don't want to call it necessarily favorite, but it has to be right up there. In Mark chapter 3, verses 20, 21, we'll put that reference on the thing. He went home. That would be to Capernaum. That was his newly adopted ministry home. Uh, and when he went home, a crowd gathered around him in so much that there wasn't even time and space to eat. And Jesus didn't seem to care. He just ministered to the people. He just ministered to them. But his family members decided he has lost his mind. 
That's what it says. He has lost his mind. He's gone insane. That word is used several times in the Scripture, that he's lost his mind. Paul said uh, of himself, you know what? If we've lost our mind, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. There are some times when we're just that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you'll find that passage. 2 Corinthians 5, he said, if, I, if I'm out of my mind, I'm out of my mind for God. This is just crazy. This is crazy. This excitement that you feel, this urgency, this passion, y'all have lost it. If you think that's the thing that's being told you, or if that is the thing that's being told you, congratulations, you're in good company. Amen. Jesus had people do that. Paul had people do that. The, the, the king, in one of his witness times with the kings, he said, you're, you're crazy. Your, your relationship with God has turned you insane. Hallelujah. Now, what is that? That's the excuse that everybody has used for years to avoid conviction from the Holy Spirit. When you speak about your dedication as a young person to the Lord and your faith and your excitement about the things of God, all the veteran people who have, quote, known the Lord for more years than you are old will go, oh, 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 you just lost your mind. That's because they're being convicted by the Spirit of God. Amen. God is talking to them about the reality that they need to be more like that. And so Jesus felt this, this urgency and passion we feel in the name of the Lord. And so what do we do about this? How do we, how do we grow into a handle on this? How do we, what do we need to know about this truth that will help us? Well, you have to understand time and eternity. And so can I help you with this just a little bit? We'll, we'll be quick about it, but God is eternal. Say it with me. God is eternal, and God is omniscient. In fact, God is omni a bunch of stuff. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. This is the reality. If you don't know that about God, you should know that about God. But God is eternal, and He is omniscient. In other words, can I say it in a simple way? Well, maybe not simple, but God sees all time, all the time, at one time. Say it with me. God sees all time, all the time, at one time. Now, this is theologically, how many of you will wave your hand and say, that's theologically accurate? Come on. That's the truth of God. I'm not making this up. God sees all time, all the time, at one time. That's why a day and a thousand years aren't different to God. That's why when God makes a promise, it's not, oh, this is my hope for prediction. God willing and the creek don't rise, it'll happen. No, God has already seen it. The end from the beginning and from ancient times, the thing that's not yet come to pass. And so God is eternal and God is omniscient. We are not. God is timeless. And we are receiving his revelation in this thing called time. And so there's a difference. We have to understand how time relates to eternity. Because one trumps the other. Eternity trumps time. What will it profit you if you in time, I'm adding that phrase, gain the whole world, but eternally you lose your soul? Amen. You will not envy the rich if they end up in hell. Amen. But the rich in faith will always be celebrated. Amen.
And so this is the reality of this relationship. The Greek language has, fortunately, two different words for time. One is the word chronos. It's the ticking of time. It's the passing of time. It's the watch the, watch the hands spin around. It's the thing that uh, Shakespeare writes about in Macbeth, where he laments about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life is but a passing shadow. A poor player who struts and frets his hour on the stage and then is heard no more. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Thank you. By Shakespeare, by Macbeth, Acts 5. But here's the reality. That's the understanding of this inexorable nature of the ticking of the clock. Time happens to us all. You may be the fastest person on the planet right now, but wait five, ten years, honey. Amen. You may be the cutest person that you know, but time and gravity are going to do their work on you. Yeah, you can't stop it. It's chronos. It just happens. But there is another word that the Greeks use for time, which is superior to chronos. It's called kairos. Chronos and kairos. And kairos is the time beyond time. It's the superior time above time, if you will. It's what takes a moment in chronos and infuses it with tremendous eternal power. Amen. It's the, I must go through Jerusalem, I mean, to, through uh, Samaria. Why? Because God is telling me. And then by the middle of the day, he understands exactly why. And then, then he stays two full days longer. Why? Because in the moment, God shows up. In my case, it was a Dairy Queen on a Tuesday night. Amen. God infused that moment with power from heaven. That's why it says in chapter 4 of Colossians, you need to make the most of every opportunity. And the word opportunity is kairos. You need to understand how time relates to eternity because God the eternal inhabits and moves in these moments of time. Amen. They are miracle moments for marketplace ministry and we need to experience them all. In Jesus' name. We need to live in a way that we don't miss the moment that God is, is moving. Why? Because salvation and the miracles of God and these various kind of things in this time are a limited time offering. Amen? I can't promise tomorrow's going to be just like today. I can't promise the way that you feel, the way a song impacts you, the way God touches you in this moment is going to be the exact same as it is in another time. I can't, but I can tell you, you got to make the most of now. you got to have an urgency about now. You've got to have something that says, ooh, ooh, this is a kairos. This is a moment in Kronos where God is making himself available. So I, what, what I want to do, I want to make the most of this opportunity. So, so what do I do? How do I go into this? How do I move forward? What are my action points? Well, you, you seek to know something. And you seek to do something. You seek to know what God is doing. 
What is God saying? What is God doing right here, right now? Not what has He done, what's the eternal thing, but what right now is God doing, especially in terms of our relationships with all these people that God loves? What's the living presence of Christ? What's the will of God here? What do I hear from heaven and how do I act in response? This is where the scripture says, let everything you do, whatever you do, in word, logos, or deed, ergos, ergonomics, the word, the thought of God that occurs to us, and then the ooh, the energy it provides to us, the something that we do in response to this revelation from heaven. We need to hear from God about what he's saying and doing that takes chronos and turns it into kairos. Amen. Takes the minutes and the seconds and turns them into ministry opportunities for the glory of God. How do we do that? We do that because we're passionate. We do that because we have a sense of urgency. We do that because we have our face pressed into the glass of God. And all the time we are wanting to see and celebrate what God is saying and what God is doing in the earth. And so whatever you do, whatever you do, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you do it for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus and for the glory of God, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live it with a sense of urgency. I'm going to live it with a sense of passion. I'm going to live it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me take you right back here as we close. Verse 16. These people aren't the only people who live this way. I'm thankful the Colossians were living this way, but here's the way God wants us to live. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, just like you did today. Amen. And whatever your favorite song might be, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. I just, that's one of my old tunes, and I just love that one. But sing songs, whatever you do, whatever you do. Oh, the will of God is a mysterious thing. There's one thing out there waiting for you and you got to find it. That's not true. The right thing, the will of God, is your passionate, urgent attitude of seeking after the face of God to see and know and move and minister in the moments that God is giving you. This is the will of God. And when you do this, whatever, whatever you do, wherever you go, go in the name of Jesus Christ. Go with the assurance that God is with you. Go with the absolute understanding that the God who is with you will show forth His power and His presence and confirm His word with signs following in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you wanted to be those people? Come on, pop up to your feet right now. If you want to be those people, just pop up. Or don't sit back down. Come on. Father, thank you for your love and blessing. Thank you for the fact that you take the glorious eternal things that are yours forever and you make us aware of them. You, you reveal to us what you are saying and doing in these things that we call the ticking of time. And it changes everything. It changes everything. And so with an urgency and with a passion, we say yes and amen. Let the will of God be done in our lives. Let the kingdom of God prosper in every one of our relationships. Let this week 
be a week filled with the glory of God's blessing on each and every one of these dear servants of God. We pray it, we believe you for it, and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.